The truth will set you free, but first it'll piss you off. Hey, bad bitches wanna be my bait. Hey, hold me down like the CIA. Hey, side of my car trying to see my face. Hey, want me to beat it like the CIK. Welcome back to Civil Diligence, politics made simple for the everyday millennial and why you should give a damn. I hope everybody is well and in the kingdom being great, growing edges, eating healthy, drinking water, staying alive. I hope everybody's great. I hope everybody's like excited for Thanksgiving and the holidays and all that good stuff. Most people are excited about Thanksgiving because they get to eat. I'm actually more excited, though I love to eat. If you follow, if you have been following me for this journey, you know I love to eat. Can't deny it, I like to eat, and I like to eat free. Free food. It's the key to my heart. But I am more excited about sleeping in and not going to work. I think that's to me, is a real panty dropper. It's just wonderful. Although I would like a family of my own one day in life, I know that once that day happens, I'm gonna have to get up early and actually cook a little something something on Thanksgiving. And I actually may have to host so I can't be a moocher with my other family members and just mooch and just show up. No, I may actually have to contribute Although I can't wait at the same time, I'm not going to lie to you. I still like being a moocher. But yes, for all the people who are so ecstatic and happy that Thanksgiving is around the corner, you get to eat and all that stuff like that. I am happy for you. Yes, I'm happy for you. Sits in, bro. So I was debating back and forth on whether or not to do an episode last week or the day after election day and just they give my thoughts and stuff like that. But then I decided to wait until like everything unfolded, like when all the elections were done and you saw the results and I wanted to see some of the ramifications of like the results of the elections. So that's why I decided to come out damn near two weeks later with an episode just to analyze everything. I'm a holistic picture kind of person. So yes, we're gonna dive into the election and as you can tell by the title, it's unfolding the election and the remains and all that good stuff. So I wanted to do it that way. So let's just get into it. As you know, I like to start my show off with disclaimers. One, I curse. Two, I will mess up the English language. English is hard, just to let you know. Three, we won't see eye to eye on all things all the time. We may never see eye to eye, but at least we can still have a conversation, keep it respectful, and then keep it moving. Maybe go out to eat afterwards. Talk, see a movie, run around Walmart. That's a thing. Just want to let people know. People might think that that's juvenile. That's fine. <laughs> Four, I'm in the kingdom. That's my qualifications on speaking on today. And five, things may change by the time you listen to this. So keep that in mind. I know I probably sound like way goofy and way tired, 
because my dumb butt decided to record at night during my bedtime, but that's fine. We gonna have a good time anyway. So moving on, let's get into what I'm here for this week. What I'm here for is a segment I like to do to keep things light, joyful, and it could be anything that one is here for or one likes that happened this past week or the last time we even spoke. So it could be anything from pop culture, it could be anything from politics, it could be anything from you like cats and you're here for it, your cat or dog did a new trick. Whatever you like, let's get into it. What I'm here for is here for a few things. Yes, it's been a long time. First and foremost, I am ecstatic that people actually came out to vote on Tuesday's midterm elections. And it wasn't just like your regular percentages. They, it increased. It went from like 36 percent 47 and although that may not be a lot in your mind it's still a lot because millions and millions of voters did early registration voting and then actually came out on election day so i thought that was pretty dope especially the youth vote where we don't see a lot of people but haha millennials you proved them wrong you gave a damn yes you did you voted yes did and although this seems kind of like whoa but the youth vote increased by like 188 percent because again we went from like not voting to actually voting in a midterm election so all I have to say is this is like the highest that it's been in like 50 years and keep it up. Don't sleep in 2020 or the next two years because I know there are some local elections that's happening in the town across the nation and they are going to want your vote. So in 2019, you better vote and in 2020 vote. Keep that same energy. And due to the voter turnout, people's voices were heard. So I also am ecstatic that the fact that all these women won. Over 90 women are going to Congress. Women are getting uh, the attorney general across the board. There are women senators. I am, and it doesn't matter if you are Republican or Democrat. I don't care. The fact that women, there is going to be more representation of women in politics is great to me when we are the majority gender and we have African-American women, Muslim women, lesbians, bisexual, Native American women in Congress. And it is showing. I am like beating up the mic right now. Anyway, we are showing that America is not just a white man's country. These women at, demanded their seat to be at the table at an all white man's table. And they got it. They proved and defied odds. And I am just so ecstatic of that. It is time for our politics to actually reflect what the hell this country looks like. It's just not all white men. 
we should be represented and i think that is a fabulous thing and the fact that it started off with all these women in politics is just so wonderful i am a little feminist at heart and i just love to see a woman succeed and just be great so i'm here for it be great sis be great so just sessions is fired um i am <laughs> yeah that was funny to me I'm laughing, not because he's fired. And I really saw this come like a long time ago. But the whole situation to me is hilarious. So he submitted his letter of resignation at the president's request. So literally, you're just saying that you just got fired. And I just think that's funny. And I don't know why you didn't leave beforehand before your dignity got stripped away from you. Because now everybody and their mama knows that you got fired when you could have eliminated that dignity and just stepped down and was like, I resigned on my own terms. No, the president fired you. I just find that kind of funny. Like, you wasn't going. You definitely wasn't going. You said, hell no, I won't go until the final final countdown do you little graham cracker do you but what else i find even more hilarious than jeff sessions getting fired <laughs> is his replacement so his replacement is matthew whitaker and the reason why this is kind of funny is because y'all think trump is stupid i don't think so Honestly, although he may have signs of dementia, I honestly think that he has a very sharp mind and knows what the hell he's doing. So dig these apples, Jack. Trump still has an investigation with Mueller. The AG slash DOJ works with the investigation. Who's the boss of DOJ and FBI? Oh, the attorney general who can stop the investigation at any point. Who has been a huge critic of the whole investigation from jump? Agent Orange. So why would you appoint someone who is a law-abiding citizen that will throw your ass in jail? Hello? And Matthew Whitaker. I really want to call this man Forrest Whitaker, but mm, that's not his name. But Matthew Whitaker has openly spoke out against the Mueller investigation. Mind you. This dude doesn't know crap about really being a federal attorney general. Yeah, he did his little thing in Iowa or Utah, one of those states, uh, whatever he was the attorney of uh, the state attorney general. But his resume doesn't like bleed. Oh, I'm qualified for this job. And that's also another conversation that Trump doesn't pick qualified individuals for these cabinet positions. But one thing Trump will do is pick cabinet members. That's pro-Trump as soon, as soon as your ass is against Trump, your ass is out. If Trump feels threatened that you are about to make him look bad and you are about to run him over a bus, your ass is out, okay? And Matthew Whitaker is pro-Trump. You want that in a cabinet member, I guess. I, I feel like you do, especially when your ass is on the line. When you are trying to save your ass. And I just think that Trump is cold for that move. I say, I mean, hell, me find me, save yourself. I get it. I understand it. You can say what you want, but Trump is far from stupid. He, one thing he's going to do is save himself. 
So I'm just very curious on what's to come from this. Moving on, Jim Acosta got his pass back. Unless you've been living under a rock, you have know that Jim Acosta, a CNN reporter, got his pass revoked because he went back and forth with the president. Yes, he was a little bit aggressive, and you can see the whole thing if you YouTube it, Google it, do what you do. But they went back and forth. Trump was like, hell no, I'm revoking your pass. CNN said, I'm suing. So, a federal judge, I believe it was a federal judge, I don't think it's a federal judge. A federal judge ruled in CNN's favor stating that they can restore privileges well the white house was wrong and restore the privileges of acosta to go back to work orange cheeto is again hot and tried to go back and forth with revoking his pass again now i just got an update saying that they back down it's a back and forth thing i'm here for the fact that he got his pass back, of course. But I'm also here for the fact that other news outlets, doesn't matter whether or not you are a liberal news outlet or a conservative news outlet like Fox, they all stood together. And one thing that is for certain, and I went back and forth with people on this, this is a First Amendment issue. And you all can say that it's not. It's a First Amendment issue. And it's bigger than CNN or Acosta. It really is. It's about freedom of press and First Amendment rights. One thing is for certain is the White House will try to silence you. Now, it doesn't matter who's in that. The White House will probably has the power to do that. The issue comes with whether or not they can. The press is just doing their job. Whether or not, doesn't matter what side of the aisle that you're on. They're doing their job. They have a job to do. And it's really to hold a president accountable for the good and the bad. They did it for every president. Trump is not different from previous presidents because let's also be true here. They crucified Bush. They crucified Obama. They crucified Clinton. So every president gets their burdens of crucifixion. It doesn't matter, and y'all can say who would support Trump that, oh, he's being treated so damn bad. Well, hell, that comes with the damn job. Shit. Thought this was gonna be easy? No! You are the most powerful man in the free world. What the hell? You thought this was gonna be a walk in the damn park? No! And the fact of the matter that you try to silence a reporter and it doesn't matter, this will set a precedent for other White Houses. If I don't agree with what you're saying about me, I can silence you and take and take away your past, take away your voice. And that's wrong. So First Amendment is an issue here. Another thing that comes into play here is the legalities of it, is whether or not if there's going to be a time and place for you to have your voice heard. That is more so where I'm getting at is the time and the place and whether or not the White House press room is going to be a time and a place and how you can go about asking certain questions. So I'm very curious on uh, what's to come from this case, but I am here for the press coming together to protect the speech. Doesn't matter what side of the aisle that you're on. Last thing that I'm here for this week, I got a new exfoliator, and I can't wait to see the results. Should be great. Can't wait. Hopefully my little money's went or something great. If not, I'll probably be complaining the next time you hear me because my skin is precious, and I like to preserve it. 
that's all I'm here for this week. Let me know what you are here for this week. Email civildiligence at gmail.com and we can have a conversation of what you're here for this week. Now, let's get into the actual nitty gritty of the episode. The election. At this stage of the game, I'm pretty sure you know the results. Democrats won the House, the Republicans kept the Senate, and the majority of the U.S. governors are Republican. Cool. So, in this episode, pretty much, I'm going to explain why this freaking matters. But before I get into that, I really wanted to back up and get into some key moments about the election that I thought was well. And you might already know this, but I think that it's cool and you can get my perspective on it and we can have that conversation. So I'm going to back up and first of all say that these midterm elections was entertaining as fuck. Why? They were entertaining as fuck. Let's go into some of these ads that were entertaining. And let's also go into some of these debates that were entertaining. Primarily in Florida and Georgia. <coughs> I'm just saying. But Georgia, you already knew the Republican winner or now the Republican winner, Kemp, was a hardcore Republican. He was your Republican Republican. He was pro-Trump, pro-life, pro, you know, America. Not saying that Democrats are not, but they were, he was hefty pro-America. Like, couldn't get more pro than him. Pro, I need my coins and fuck the government. The government shouldn't be in my business. And the immigrants shouldn't be taking my money. Like, those were his ads. And then you had Stacey Abrams, who is every bit of a strong black woman that's like, you're not about to punk me. And basically gave him fact, like, honestly, you're a racist and you do nothing for uh, the state of Georgia. So I was actually here for those ads. I was also here for Florida's ads. And the debates between the governor uh, candidates. So you have Andrew Gillum and Ron DeSantis. Pretty entertaining. One, Ron DeSantis doesn't like black people. And it was very much so apparent that he was a racist. And we could debate and argue, but he was a damn racist. To see him try to downgrade his racism was pretty funny in my eyes because if you don't like black people or you don't like a certain kind of race, please just be honest with yourself. Be true to you. Like, damn, if you fucking hate black people to the core, just let me know. Be honest with that shit. Be honest the fact that you hate black people and keep it moving. Don't try to be like, oh, well, they're okay here. Some days that they're okay, not days. I mean, it's pretty apparent when you try to take away our health care or you try to, you know, take away our funding for certain programs that are predominantly black. You can't claim to be for the revolution one day and then try to see us fail the next. It just doesn't work like that. Andrew Gillum called him out on his shit. Called him, said that you are a racist. It's so many words i love a good old fight i love a good old back and forth session you can call me messy i don't care i find it entertaining nonetheless another key moment in the election is actually georgia and florida again they had recounts because there was claim of voter fraud and the margins were so close that it was counted as a miscount and they voted to 
do a recount. And I thought that it was cool. And granted, Georgia and Florida are still Republican states. So there's no need to worry there. But it's not like the Democrats were just slaughtered by the Republicans in this election, which is key and good to note. Uh, Gillum uh, conceded after 34,000 votes. And you may think that that's like, oh, that's a lot of votes. But looking at the percentages and margins, it's really not. Another thing Gillum did which his opponent actually congratulated him for, well, he can he acknowledged that it was a good thing, was he got people, especially young people, out to vote. Really, it's remarkable. With his platform, he got Democrats to come out and vote for him. Moving on, Stacey Abrams had an even closer tally and only lost by 1.5 vote. I mean, 1.5 points. It was so slim. However, she's so cold with this. So she accepted the loss, but she didn't concede because her right. Conceding is to think that the loss was right. And she thinks that it was fraud and fraudulent and it will suck because Kemp is also the secretary of state. So he actually is over the recounts and the voting and all that stuff like that in the state and he was running for governor and it just so ironically he won now i'm not saying that he didn't win fair and square it just looks fishy and suspicious so homegirl suing so she can protect future elections from fraudulent actions if that so happens in the future so there's a few things to take away from the losses and not only Florida and Georgia, but losses from other areas in the country as well. One, we're not so ready for progressive ideas yet. However, it's coming. It may be a little bit too soon for the progressive ideology to take full reign in America, but you saw this in Texas with Beto O'Rourke and the reptile Ted Cruz. Beto had magic sauce. He had juice. I mean, you saw that with his base. You saw that with the young people, not only in Texas, but nationwide. And the thing about that is captivated. The same thing with Gillum and the same thing with Stacy. They captivated young progressives. Ted Cruz only won by like 2.6%. Now, mind you, you don't get too much redder than Texas. Texas is one of them red states. But the fact that Ted Cruz did not slaughter Beto O'Rourke, I hope I'm saying this man's name right. I just call him Beto and call leave it at that. But the fact that he did not slaughter him and it was so close says something. Truth of the matter, he tapped into young people. He tapped into the young ages Healthcare, he's after the college tuition, uh, wages, all of that matters. Because, hello, the truth is young people are poor. We're broke. My income on paper is okay for a single female with no kids. So take that same income that I live in Springfield, Illinois. So take that same little income, move it out west to like California, to all of the like the western states. 
I'm broke, I'm poor, and I'm eating ramen with roommates. Take that same income in central Illinois to the East Coast. I'm poor with rats, living with roommates in a shoebox for $5,000 damn near with high blood pressure. Take that same income. Let's take the same income in central Illinois and let's just move north. Let's go up north. Let's go to north to Chicago. That same income. Now I am still broke. And instead of having young people as roommates, I have two old people as roommates and I have to abide by their rules. Cause guess what? I'm living with my parents. Cause I can't live sufficiently on my own with the lifestyle that I have down here up north. I can't do that because the cost of living is high. And not only am I living with my parents, I fell by by their damn rules and I'm still broke because Clarence and Gwenda is not allowing me to live in their home free. So, I'm broke. The truth is, and I said all this to say, I know I'm not the only millennial that's in this predicament. There are other millennials that are just in this predicament, that are living this predicament, and shit's rough. And not only do we have to worry about this, we also have debt up to our eyeballs because I know me personally, I have debt up to my eyeballs because I do not have pipes like Whitney before the crack. I can't dribble a ball to save my life. I am the one black person in America that has no rhythm, none. I'm not a YouTube star. I'm not a internet sensation. Things I like to do is read and write. And apparently the only jobs that you can get requires a degree. So I took my ass to college and my ass got two degrees. And I am in debt, debt, debt. Because the only jobs that I could get required those degrees. Right now, young people is just in a predicament where we want to flourish. We want to be great, but we can't because we're broke. And these people that are running for Congress running for these political arenas they get that at least I hope they do because at this point in time I don't care if you're white black blue yellow indigo bi gay straight cisgendered muslim atheist if you can help me not be poor and to succeed in life I'm voting for you you could be a rock and if you have the same ideas that can help us grow as a people we are going to vote for you help me help you I also took away the Progressive Party will either be a third party or the Democrats will have to conform to progressive ideologies. Because I said this before, the baby boomers will die, Generation X will die, and millennials will be full force. These are the things that I said I ranted on earlier. The things that, you know, we're poor, we're broke, we want jobs, we want things free. <laughs> That's going to be a hard winning issue, especially when we ain't got social security. So we working for shit. That's all going to come into play sooner than you think. And progressives get that. Y'all might not think so now, but progressives get that. And if Democrats were smart, they will see how this is shifting the nation. These progressives did not lose by much. And a lot of those, the new women or the new people who got into office, they had progressive ideas that worked for their base. 
I'm just saying, you might not make a progressive your main in 2020, but I guarantee you should put them on your ticket. I may be getting ahead of myself a little bit and we'll get back to that point later, but I'm just saying progressives, keep on a watch out for a progressive. So let's talk about the Senate race because that itself was a doozy. So yes, I never expected the Democrats to take over the Senate. Like people were like, oh my God, we have a shot. We don't, no, you just didn't know how to read maps, right? But I also didn't expect for them to lose seats. Granted, I didn't expect it, but now looking back and actually doing my research on it, those were red states that Barack Obama won, but they're red states nonetheless that are typically red. However, I'm kind of shocked that the Democrats didn't kind of foresee this happening because I expected it to be a fight, especially in Indiana. I'm a little bit disappointed with Indiana. I get it because it's Pence's state and Trump and Pence work their asses off to gain that seat back. So I get it. But at the same time, can you counteract that? Like you didn't expect that to happen? And granted, Barack Obama and Joe Biden tried to do the same thing. But let's also be clear, Barack Obama and Joe Biden helped campaign for the Democrats, but it did not make much of a difference. Because again, Trump's people came out in droves. Although the Democrats lost two seats and the Republicans gained, <laughs> they did flip a couple of red seats and made them blue. And one in particular is in Arizona. Kirsten Sinema, I hope I'm not butchering her last name. Sorry if I am. She won the Democratic seat and flipped it from a red to a blue. And the reason why this is significant is because Arizona hasn't seen a Democratic senator in almost in over 40 something years. Like their last blue senator was in 1976, I do believe. So it's been a long time. And the fact that she was able to flip it and also being an openly bisexual woman at the same time is remarkable in itself. So it also says something, the shift that has happened in Arizona and across the nation. So I think that that was pretty interesting. I'm sure that there are a few more key moment states, but those key moments within the election and unfolding, but those are the ones that was like blaring to me that I wanted to speak about. And I could go on and on and on and on, but I'm sure you don't want to listen to me for three hours. So we can definitely move on from key moments and get into the significance of the Democrats winning the house. So one, the obvious answer is they gained back control. They took the control away from the Republicans and they gave a little bit more of a balance to the three branches of government. It's just not one party controlling it. Now, the Democrats have a seat at the table to fuck shit up in other words. Two, the accountability factor that's about to happen to this uh, administration is about to be flawless. It's about to be freaking flawless. And if it's not, then they're stupid because at this rate in time, you should do all the investigations that you wanna do. You can look into so many things that you necessarily wanted to do before, but could it? Now you can. They also are like chief Q 
key committee people. They're heading over committees. Like Maxine Waters is over the key of finances. So you know that a wall is not about to be built. Y'all can forget that. A wall isn't going to be built. Trump is about to be investigated. And Russia is about to be looked into. The damn tax returns that they've been talking about since 2015 is about to be reviewed. And the reason why these tax returns are so important, it's basically because of a conflict of interest. It's hard to govern and or put America first when America is not your first motive or really your main concern when your investments are in other countries. Just saying. Something to look into. Also, too, whether or not um, he's using campaign money as hush money to pay off his extracurricular activities. So it's going to be really interesting to see. Also, you can't forget Trump passing anything on his agenda for the next two years. <laughs> you can forget it. Like the Democrats are about to block him at every, every turn. So Maxine Waters is like the head of finance committee. There's no wall about to be built. Immigration is about to be a a bust for people who was like really concerned about immigration. That's not going to happen. They're trying to repeal the Affordable Health Care Act. That's not going to happen. Although they kind of made it shit tier anyway with this tax plan. But that's a whole different conversation for a whole different time. And it's convoluted within itself. So I'll explain that later or another episode. But yeah, they ain't gonna pass nothing. The Democrats pass the House and you have power. My whole thing is what are you gonna do? Because if you're not gonna do shit these next two years, I'm about to be pissed. Because the whole point in people voting you in the House is because we're thinking you're going to do something. At this moment in time, I don't care if you're Republican or Democrat. Both sides of the aisle is to blame for how shitty we look as a nation. We look like shit complete shit right now and the fact that y'all arguing like the all third graders over a damn who stole the graham cracker type shit is embarrassing and i just hope that whoever you are wanted does something for this country because this shit is trash complete trash whether you like trump or whether you hate trump i don't give two fucks can we do something for the country why you got voted for to begin with and the sad thing is if you thought the midterms was bloody it exhausting you haven't seen anything because the next two years this is only the beginning the next two years is about to be a hot mess express because 2020 will be here before you know it and the Democrats has the great pleasure of trying to find a pick for their nomination for president. This goes back to when I was talking about progressives and trying to find somebody that's like innovative, new, up and coming and fresh. I'm really going to say that the Democrats really does have to move away from tradition and listen to your base because that's going to be so important people look at me like i have five heads when i say that the orange cheeto is going to have another four years why do i say this because i said earlier 
his people came out in droves. Trump's, Trump has supporters, whether or not people want to realize this or not. You saw that by the people who came out and voted. Because just like the Democrats came out and voted, the Republicans did too. And by golly, you needed to. Like, I'm not mad at that at all. I don't give a damn. At least you voted and you got your voice heard. And for the most part, they listened. So I get it. I understand it. But if the Democrats wants a candidate worthwhile, I suggest you listen to your base. Because like I said, if you're not going to make a progressive your main, you're going to have to make a progressive somewhere on that ticket. I don't give two fucks whether or not you're not here for it or whether or not you're not like, ooh, progression, no, progressives, ah, ooh, it's the devil. Fuck it at this point. Like, that's going to be the future and you need to get on board with it. And for the love of God, if Hillary Clinton doesn't sit her ass down, I'm all for Hillary somewhat, but she's not a winning force in this political game anymore. You saw the key players a little bit in this past midterm elections. Beto O'Rourke, I wouldn't be surprised if he comes up again in 2020. And if he doesn't come up again in 2020, I bet in 2024. Because he has very good contingencies to be president. They're comparing him to Barack Obama. Now, do I think that he's the next white Barack Obama? Eh, I don't agree with the headlines. But we can debate that for some other time. But I do believe that he has presidential qualifications. One, he's very popular amongst young people, has progressive-ish ideas, and he's fresh, he's innovative, and he's popular. I know I said that with young people, but not only young people, he's popular with middle-aged people too. Across the nation, I'm very curious on where he's going to be. But if the Democrats were smart, you better look at your young people, your freshman class, because if you actually looked at it, it's very similar because you think Barack Obama was in the political game long before he became president? No. You want to get these people while they're young, while they're fresh, before they get so wrapped up in Washington's politics. Because once they get wrapped up in Washington's politics, like Nancy Pelosi, you're the devil. Point blank period. So I'm very curious. I want to know your thoughts. I'll end it here because this was a little bit of a longer episode, but I'll end it here. Let me know your thoughts. Are you happy about the past elections? Are you hot like flaming hot Cheeto President Trump because you lost in some states and the Dems got the house? Are you happy? Are you sad? Are you indifferent? Let me know. Email civildiligence at gmail.com or you can follow me and have the conversation on Instagram and Facebook. My Facebook is under construction at the time with civil diligence. Trust me, y'all. I am working slowly. I'm trying to be great. You can listen to civil diligence every other Tuesday. I am going to hold myself so accountable for this because I know that inconsistency is unfair for you all who are actually listening to me. And I'm so, 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 so thankful that you all are. I love you all dearly. So it's only right that I am consistent with you all. You can listen to me on Google Play, Google Podcasts, one of those two. You can find me on there. You can find me on Apple Podcasts. Or you can find me on the clouds of sound, SoundCloud. Mm-hmm. 
I hope you all enjoy your holiday and I will see you next time. Bye. Bouncing around, bouncing around, bouncing around, bouncing around, bouncing. Hate supplements are found right